Anybody in here a Narnia fan? Oh, good. It's just not me. Okay. 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 Uh, movies or books? Movies. Books. Thank you, Sage. Both. Yeah. Okay. I love The Chronicles of Narnia. It's one of my favorite book series ever. I, I reread The Chronicles of Narnia every other year. So odd years are Chronicles of Narnia years for me. Even years are Lord of the Rings years for me. So it's 2023, odd year. It's a Narnia year for me. So I'll at some point during the course of the year fit in all seven of the books. Um, for those of you who are familiar with the books, because they didn't, the movies, they didn't make them all. The cast started getting too old. Uh, the money dried up because, I mean, truthfully, the first one was good and the other two, not so much. Uh, but there's seven different Chronicles of Narnia books. My favorite is Voyage of the Dawn Treader, which is, yes, yes, it's epic. Okay, so as a memory refresher, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, right? Edmund and Lucy go back to Narnia and they bring along with them their cousin Eustace. And Eustace is the literal worst He's awful. He's complaining the whole time. He is mean to everybody. We're gonna get there. Literally the worst. He like doesn't even believe he's in Narnia. He's like he's like, keeps telling him he's gonna report them to the British government for breaking laws. Like he doesn't even know where he is. But in the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, Edmund, Lucy, Eustace, they join Prince Caspian aboard a ship called the Dawn Treader, and they are they're sailing from island to island. They're looking for some people who are missing. They're trying to find the edge of the world, going on lots of adventures along the way. And on one of these islands, Eustace goes off by himself and is transformed into a dragon. And at first, Eustace loves the fact that he's a dragon. Dragons are powerful. Dragons are big. Dragons fly. Who wouldn't who wouldn't want to fly, right? They breathe fire. I mean, at first he is loving the fact that he's a dragon until he realizes he doesn't have the power to change back. He's, he's stuck as a dragon and, and he can't figure out how to like get back. He can't communicate with his cousins, Edmund and Lucy. He can't communicate with Prince Caspian because he's a dragon now. And so Eustace, he decides that he is going to try and free himself from his dragonness. And he starts clawing at his dragon scales. Just, just trying to scrape off this like outer shell of the dragon to free himself. And as he's clawing, scales are like falling to the floor. And, and he, he feels like, okay, I'm, I'm finally free. And so he tries to step out of being the dragon but just realizes he's, he's still a dragon. So he tries a second time. This time, he's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta claw deeper. And so he, he scrapes and rakes at his dragon scales, trying to get free. He's digging deeper, it's hurting. And now he sees all of the scales that are on the ground. He's gotta be close to getting free. And so he tries to step out of his dragonness. But he's still 
a dragon. And so one more time, he, he goes back. He's like, all right, I'm going to have to go really deep. And so he, he cuts himself deeply as he's raking at these dragon scales and skin, trying to get himself free, transform back into the boy that he was. There's so much scales on the floor now. He's, he's got to be free at this point. But when he tries to step out, he's still a dragon. And what I don't like about the movies in particular is they get the next scene wrong. They change it in the movies and the books. And it's much more powerful in the books. Do you know, do you remember how Eustace gets free? He asks Aslan. So Aslan, the great lion, shows up. And Aslan takes his lion claws and starts cutting Eustace deep, ripping through the scales and the dragon's skin and cuts Eustace out. And he is free. And he is back to being the boy that he once was. We're in the middle of a series called Training Grounds. And in this series, we're focusing on core concepts, basic building blocks, the foundation of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so if you've been here for the three weeks in this series, we've talked about prayer. We've talked about reading God's word. Tonight, we're, we're going to talk about confession. The whole idea with this series is that this is more like a woodshop class where I'm not just going to talk to you about stuff. I do that a lot. But the things I want to talk to you about, we're actually just going to go do. Like right here, right now. We're, we're not going to waste any time putting into practice the things that we are learning. The thing about these practices is that they don't make God love you more. That can be our temptation, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray really deep prayers, and I'm going to pray really hard so that God loves me more. Or I'm going to read God's word. I might even read through the whole Bible in the year so that God will just love me more. That's not the point, because he can't love you any more than he already does. The point of these types of practices is they actually give us opportunities to love God more. Like if you've ever struggled in your faith and you're just like, ah, I just want to know God deeper. I want to follow him closer. These are the ways that we do it. When we engage with him in these ways, we have the opportunity to love God more. And you and me, we're just like Eustace. We've been born sinners. It's like we've been transformed into dragons and the thing that we need most is freedom from our dragonness, freedom from our sin. But again, just like Eustace, we try and we try and free ourselves. We try to get ourselves out of the situation that we're in and it and it just doesn't work. We we scratch at scales trying to get rid of bad behaviors in our lives. And maybe it works for a moment, like just a little bit. We see some progress, but so quickly we fall right back into the patterns of sin. If we just keep trying to deal with like the outside surface stuff, like, like I just need to stop lying. I just got to stop swearing. I, I just got to stop being so jealous of all of my friends. Like if we just, if we just keep trying to manage these behaviors, 
We will never get to the root of our sin. We'll just keep scratching at scales. We'll never be transformed. We'll never be free. Confessing our sin to God and repenting of it allows Jesus to cut us free. And so my big idea for tonight, if there's like one thing you remember after tonight, I want it to be this. That confession, it's not about behavior modification. It is about heart transformation. Confession's not about behavior modification. It's about heart transformation. So I want to start tonight by looking at what the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Galatia. So if you've got a Bible, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5. So get your Bibles out, turn to Galatians chapter 5. It's in the New Testament, so it'll be like three quarters of the way through your Bible, if not a little bit more. If you don't have a paper copy of the Bible and you can be on your phone without getting distracted, uh, then fantastic, go to the Bible app. If you are already distracted by your phone, which I see some of you in this room are, then maybe that's not a good option for you and you should just look off of somebody who does have a paper Bible. Uh, and as always, we got tons of paper Bibles in the back of the room. There's a whole shelf by the front door where there's Bibles you can snag. Galatians chapter five. Are we there yet? Yep. Good work. Good work, good work, good work. All right. And if you don't have a paper Bible and you don't have the Bible app on your phone and there's nobody sitting next to you who has a paper Bible, I always put the verses on the screen so you can follow along that way. So, Galatians chapter 5. I think I'm going to start in verse 16. So, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I'm going to read all the way through 23, I think. All right? Follow along with me in your Bible if you got it. Here's what my Bible says. So, I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Those two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation of the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. So we're talking about confession tonight. My first point is this. If you're a note taker, go ahead and write this down. There is a battle below the surface. Battle below the surface. 
Here in Galatians chapter 5, Paul comes right out and states the obvious. Verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. It's very clear. From the very jump, the very first human beings God ever created, we have inherited from them a sin nature. Adam and Eve, those first two people, they rebelled against God. God gave them everything they could ever possibly need, and they chose the opposite. They thought that they could be God better than, than God could be God. And we only get three pages into the Bible before Adam and Eve have already screwed everything up. And because of their rebellion, all of us we're now born infected with the curse of sin. We're born sinners who sin. And Paul, he, he says the results of that sin are super clear, very obvious. He starts listing 15 things that are all the direct result of us being sinful. And he, he probably could have listed like 100 more. If you turn on the news you'll see just how broken our world is. Broken people do broken things. We, we desperately need to be made right, made right inside of us so that our world can be made right through us. We feel deeply that we need things to change. Our problem is that we try putting Band-Aids when really the wounds are, are internal. The real battle, it's below the surface, but we spend all of our time and our energy trying to fix the superficial. Like I said, like we're scratching at dragon scales when, when the real problem lies deep. If we're focusing on external behaviors rather than the internal heart condition. I mean, is lying a sin? Like, yeah, of course it is. It's even in the Ten Commandments where God says, don't bear false witness. Is cussing somebody out a sin? Like, of course it is. Paul writes in Ephesians that, that we should let no unwholesome talk come out of our mouths except that is beneficial for building others up. Whatever those external behaviors are, the things you know about your life that need to change, like, of course they're sin, but there's something deeper behind them. I found uh, this quote from an author named Tim Chester. He said that underneath every sinful behavior is a failure to believe a truth about God. Underneath every sinful behavior is a failure to believe a truth about God. If you focus on trying to just stop lying or stop swearing, you might stop for a little bit that problem might start to go away a little bit. But if you're anything like me, you're going to fall right back into that thing, that pattern, time and time again. Because you're not dealing with what's going on beneath. You're just trying to, trying to deal with what's out on the surface. You, you're not dealing with the heart condition. You're, you're trying to modify behavior when what you need is heart transformation. Let me tell you about my experience in Next when I was in middle school and high school here. And I guess back then, like, this wasn't called Next, but, I mean, I would sit, like, right there where James is sitting every week. 
This was my experience. I would come on a Wednesday night just like this, and I'd worship Jesus, and there'd be stuff going on in my life, but I'd hear the truth of God's word, and I'd, I'd feel that conviction, and I'd want to change, and I'd, and I'd leave here so motivated for my life to start looking different. I would leave here, and I'd be like, yes, like, like I'm never going back to that. And I'd show up at school Thursday morning, and, and things would start looking different in my life. I'd changed. But then Friday would roll around, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and I would be so tired from trying to just fix my life, trying to just get by without doing the things that I was in the habit of doing. I was exhausted from trying so hard to change, and I would fall right back into my old ways. But then a weekend like a retreat would come up. Like we've got winter retreat in just a few weeks. And that would be, man, like worship would hit different. And, and reading the Bible would be like much more real to me. And we'd spend this whole weekend like without our phones and away from the patterns of the world. And, and I wouldn't be like tempted by the things that I was tempted by at home. And, and I would leave that retreat and I would be so fired up. I had, you know, thrown the, the popsicle stick into the fire and told God like I am never, ever, ever going to do that again. I'm never going to sin in that way again. I'm done. And I'd be so motivated. And for like an entire week, my life would look different. But I'd fall right back into those patterns of sin eventually. I was focused on trying to just fix the external behaviors that I knew didn't honor God, but I was missing the root of those sinful behaviors. I wasn't focused on what was below the surface. You know how like an iceberg is bigger underneath the water than it is above the water? Like you are like that. There are things going on that are leading to the small things that we see on top. False beliefs about who God is, not truly understanding what his character is like. And those things would, would change how I viewed myself and how I thought that I should live. The battle was really below the surface. If we only focus on what's above the surface, then we're just trying to modify behavior. But when we allow God to start working on the things that are below the surface, things that are going on, our hearts, our minds, like that's when things can really start to change. And so the practice of confession is targeted at those below the surface things. The battle is below the surface. Second point tonight is we need to believe what is true. Believe what is true. Confession essentially, is telling God what he already knows. He knows everything. So when we confess sin to him, we're just telling some, him something that he, he already knows. It's, it's being specific about the ways in which we have sinned against him in, in our actions, in our, our thoughts, in our words. But more than that, we need to be able to confess the thing beneath the thing, the, the false, sinful beliefs that we've had about God that lead to all the surface sins, and, and that can be hard. That can be scary. 
but only because I think we don't really understand who God is. We don't really know what he's like, and so we're scared to confess sin to him. Has anybody in here ever seen the movie The Sandlot? Right? In the Sandlot, this group of kids, they play baseball like every day in the summer. And, and right outside the outfield fence, it's Mr. Myrtle's yard. And Mr. Myrtle has a dog called the Beast. And, and everything is great until one day they hit the ball signed by Babe Ruth over the fence into Mr. Myrtle's yard. And they're terrified of Mr. Myrtle. They've, they've heard things about what he did to people in the past. They're terrified of his dog, the beast. Like that they've heard rumors that the beast has, has eaten kids before. And so they concoct this an elaborate plan to try and get the baseball back. But when they finally meet Mr. Myrtle and the beast face to face, they, they realize that all those things they heard about him, they weren't true that he's actually really kind and funny and his dog is, is really big, but just like other dogs and, and loves to be around people, wouldn't hurt anybody. They, they had his character completely wrong. That's like us and God. We don't want to confess our sin to God because, because we have wrong beliefs about who he is, what he's like, and, and, and maybe wrong beliefs about what he'll do to us when he, he finds out that we've messed up. So let me remind you of some truths about who God is so that we can all set our minds right to what our God is really like. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says that if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12 this is God talking. I will never, or I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. Psalm 103 verse 12. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. When we actually start to believe that that's true, true about who God is, true about what our standing before him looks like, everything changes. Confession can actually be a joy. Confession can feel like, like running back into the arms of a loving father, knowing that he's already forgiven you. And then we get to walk out in repentance. Repentance is the thing that follows confession. Once you've already told God what he already knows, then, then you can walk away from that old way of living into a new way. A verse that a lot of you have probably memorized at some point in time is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new creation, a new person. The old is gone and a new life has come. Repentance is walking away from the old 
and into the new. So I want to give you a tool for your toolbox on how you can put this into practice in your own life. How to confess not just the surface sins, but the thing that's below the surface. We want to work down to that that thing that's deep, that's, that's truly the root cause of our sin. This tool, it's called Two Trees. Two Trees. And, and an author named Jeff Vanderstelt, he uses this diagram in his book to teach his readers how to confess sin. Starts with the fruit on your tree and you kind of work down to the root, starting with the surface, working your way below. See, it turns out that all of the sin in our lives... Every single sin boils down to one of four things. We are trying to, to meet a need that human beings have. There's, there's four, four core needs that human beings have. Every single one of us, same four core needs. And they're not bad things, they're good things. It's how God has made us to be as humans. The problem comes when we start looking to meet those needs in ways other than God has given us. The first one is pleasure. It's basically happiness. Like human beings have a need to be happy. Did you know that? That's part of what it means to be human. God has created you that way. The second one, approval. Basically the feeling of being loved. Like as a human being, you were created with the need to be loved. Third one, security, basically safety. Human beings were created with the need to feel safe. And the fourth one is significance, feeling like you matter. Every single human being needs that in their life. The goal with two trees is that we understand how our sin is the direct result of us trying to meet these four things in ways other than which God has provided for us. We need to work down to what we are believing that is untrue about who God is and who we are as his creation. And the only way that I know how to teach this to you is to show you what it looks like for me. Okay, so... This is going to be me getting, getting vulnerable before you guys, and this isn't so that you feel bad for me. It's not a Danny pity party. This is so that you know that your pastor sins too. That even, even though I'm on a stage, like I'm not perfect. I've got sin in my life too, and I need to confess my sin to God. And so I worked through two trees last night so that I could show you what this process looks like, Okay. So the diagram you saw on the screen, that's my tree. Okay, that tree on the left, that's my tree. You can see some of the fruit hanging from it, if you can read it from where you're sitting. It says anxiety. It says sadness. It says anger. I'm anxious because I feel like I'm letting people down. I'm making people mad. I'm not a good enough leader. I'm sad and I'm lonely because so many of my best friends have entered a season of life where they're getting married and having kids and and they don't really have time to hang out with me anymore. I'm angry at God because things in my life haven't turned out the way that I always hoped that they would. 
So two trees starts with understanding what's actually there. What are you feeling? What are you experiencing? But the goal is to work to confession and repentance of the things that are below the surface. So we want to expose the lie. Each of those things is me trying to meet one of those four core needs in a way outside of that which God has permitted. And so I don't want to just confess the surface sins. I want, to, I want to confess the thing that's underneath that I've been believing that's wrong about God. Anxiety, it's not always sinful, but, but I give in to a sinful level of anxiety in those moments because, because I believe that God's promise of approval isn't good enough. I give in to sinful anger at God because in those moments, I don't believe that God's promise of happiness is good enough for me. Sadness and loneliness, like that's not necessarily sinful, but in my case, I give in to sin in those moments when I believe that God's promise of significance isn't good enough for me. It's all lies. And once I've been able to diagnose that lie, once I've been able to actually tell God what I know to be true, right? That, that I have been believing things wrongly about him. That I've got sinful beliefs about God. That's the thing underneath the thing. Then I can start remembering what's true. And that's where we start to move into this place of repentance, of walking away from the old and towards the new. The truth of the gospel is that in Christ, I have all the approval that I will ever need and I can live free from anxiety. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares for you. That's a truth, that's true. The truth of the gospel is that in Christ, I have all the happiness I could ever need and I can live free from being angry at God. Romans 5, 8 says that God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That's a truth. The truth of the gospel is that in Christ, I can have all the significance that I will ever need. I can live free from dwelling on my loneliness. Proverbs 18.24 says that a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And once I have exposed the lie, remembered the truth, then I can start to imagine and experience what the fruit of the Spirit will be in my life. That's how Paul ends Galatians 5, the passage that we read. I can have peace and patience instead of anxiety. I can have faithfulness instead of anger. I can have joy instead of sadness. And so I want to put this into practice right now. I want each of you to do this. So here's how this is going to work. Um, AJ, Kelly, Adam, Kristen, Jake, and Grace, wherever you guys are, on that back table, I've got blank two trees diagrams. Abigail, you can keep that up. This will be helpful for people to see. So I've got blank ones for you. And I want you to work through this. Here's my suggested starting place. Get your Bible. Go to Psalm 51. Psalm 51, it's it's the psalm that David wrote 
right after he was caught committing adultery with Bathsheba. And he wrote this poem of confession. So start there to get your heart and your mind in a space that's ready to meet with God. And then start in prayer, talking to him. Start asking him to reveal what's on your tree. And like take one of the handouts and literally write on your tree like I did. Like what is the fruit that's literally hanging there? You can be honest. Nobody's ever going to see this but you. This is you and God. This is you working towards confessing your sin. And once you have described the fruit that's, that's up there, you can, you can start moving down towards exposing the lie, repenting of it, remembering the truth. Don't just stay on the surface. Work down deep. Confess those sins to God. And then you can just end your time in prayer, asking God to, to cut out that sin from your life, to cut you free, just like Aslan cut Eustace free. I envision this being an individual exercise because I think if you're being truly honest and truly real, that at least in this stage, it's probably a little bit embarrassing. It was really hard for me to tell you guys some of the things that have been going on in my life. And so I would imagine that it would be hard for you to share with friends right now some of the things that you're going through in your life. But, but, I think the outworking of confession is that you get there eventually. James chapter 5, 16 says that, that confession leads to healing. And that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective and it's working. And so there is nothing more beautiful than when you are able to confess your sin first to God, but then to your friends so that they can pray for you. And so what we're going to do in this space is I want you to find a place where you can be alone. Stay here. Don't go wandering. Grab one of the two trees handouts. You're probably going to need a pen. You're going to need a Bible. And I want us to spend time before God. That we're not just going to hear this teaching from his word. We're going to do it right now. And, and if you get to a place where you just, you need somebody to pray for you because you've got stuff in your life, I would love to do that. Jake, Grace, Mr. AJ, Miss Kelly, Adam, Kristen, Evie. Like we've got leaders in this room who would love to pray with you but I want you to spend some time with the Lord.